0: Amen. Psalm chapter ninety. Psalm chapter ninety. Thank you. Psalm chapter ninety. Beginning in verse one. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, wherever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return ye children of men. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday, when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with a flood, they are as asleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thy anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow. For it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. O satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Establish Thou the work of our hands upon us, yea, the work of our hands, establish Thou it. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, many are the blessed truths recorded in this great old psalm. Lord, we wish this morning merely to observe one. And we pray that, Lord, You would assist us, that You would teach us to number our days that we might apply our hearts unto wisdom. Father, I pray that you'd help us to hear this morning what the Spirit say unto this church and to all those listening. Help us, I pray, dear God, that you would be honored and glorified, that we'd be humbled in thy presence. And Lord, in that humility, we'd look up and we'd realize the wonderful mercy and grace of our God. And Lord, it would inspire and encourage us to live a life that is pleasing and glorifying to Thee. Lord, be honored and glorified in all that we say and do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. As I pondered this passage of Scripture this last week, I thought to myself, for many who seek comfort and encouragement in the Psalms, this 90th Psalm of Moses would not be their first choice. Yet Moses, the man of God, declares there is divine wisdom to be found in this amazing psalm which cannot be found amongst men nor taught in the school of men, but only by God who alone possesses the power and the infinite wisdom and knowledge to teach fallen and frail man the wisdom in numbering our brief and fleeting days. The lessons learned in this 90th Psalm comes from 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Forty years God would instruct the heart of Moses, the man of God, to record this glorious psalm for all generations to listen and to learn. Forty years it took Moses to learn these valuable yet glorious truths of God. And yet these are lessons which one must not be old in age to learn or apply, but those who have by the Spirit of God received grace to hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. So teach us three simple yet marvelous words in the light of these amazing yet overwhelming and very humbling truths. Because of the first 11 verses, Moses encourages and exhorts us and himself as well. So God, teach us. Knowing all these things, in the first 11 verses, the brevity and frailty of this life, our own weaknesses and sins and infirmities, your wrath and anger, your eternalness, your everlasting, teach us in the light of all those things that we might number our days so that we might apply our hearts. And the wisdom. Not by constraint does Moses exhort us to beseech God to teach us, nor by terror, but by humble reverence and adoration for God, who, in spite of our frailty and weakness and sins, has been our dwelling place in all generations. The Christian life is an amazing life, one which this world knows nothing of. In fact, it's foolishness to them. They read these truths in Psalm chapter 90, and they're filled with terror and fright. Yet not the true child of God, who's come to know and reverence God, who's come to know and acknowledge and sense and feel his own personal infirmities and weaknesses and frailties, that his life is but a vapor here today and gone tomorrow, and God is eternal. For the child of God, this psalm is filled with rich treasures, which make us rich in God. To the natural man who receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, said Paul in Corinthians, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because he is spiritually discerned, There is no beauty, no rich blessing in these words of exhortation and wisdom. There's safety and security in these words. We spoke earlier in our prayer meeting before services this morning how we've known people who once professed a strong profession in Christ yet today who seem to be away from God. No love for God. No concern for God. Doesn't go to church anymore. And we wonder why these people could so easily, so quickly fall away. I believe the answer of many of those questions are found in Psalm chapter 90. There is no fear of God. There is no reverence for the Almighty God. Man believes they can simply walk away from a profession of faith. Man simply believes they can walk away from God. Because there's no fear, no reverence for God. It's such fear and reverence for God, dearly beloved, that keep us safe and secure, that drive us to be closer to God, to humble ourselves before God, and be weary of ourselves and our own sins and frailty, and always beseech God to keep us and preserve us. It's such fear and reverence for God, which is our security, our safety as Christians us from wandering from God here's my heart O God prone to leave thee that hymn says prone to leave the God I love here's my heart oh take and seal it seal it for thy courts above so a child of God reads these truths found in Psalm chapter 90 and we feel safe and secure so teach us This is a humble request to know and to learn. Coupled with a godly fear and reverence for God. And is that not how we always approach the Word of God? We have a desire to learn. God has inspired us by the Holy Spirit to learn, to grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. And yet as we read the Word of God as Christians, as we read it and study it and meditate with it, we do it with a godly fear and reverence. Such a spirit, dearly beloved, defines the true believer whose faith and confidence in God's great mercy is always coupled with great reverence and fear for God and His judgments. There's a divine balance there that keeps us, keeps us from ourselves, keeps us from falling away. The psalmist put this divine balance in these wonderful words in Psalm 147, verse 11. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear Him. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear There's not very many things in the Scriptures where it says the Lord taketh pleasure. One of them <laughs> is in the success of His servants. But it says in Psalm 147, 11, the Lord taketh pleasure. He taketh pleasure in them. that, And a child of God knows that. There's something about that godly fear, that reverence of God, that we feel the love and mercy and grace and pleasure of God. We delight in that. But he goes on, the Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear Him, in those that hope in His mercy. Isn't amazing that divine balance? Yet fear Him, yet hope in His mercy. Oh, how the first inspires the other. We fear Him. Yet in fearing Him, we hope in His mercy. What a divine balance. The world knows nothing of that. Nothing of that. That's why they can so quickly make a profession and walk away from God. They had no real love and adoration for God because real love for God, real adoration for God, biblically seen, is one that is accompanied with fear of God. They go together, hand in hand. They join with one another. You can't love God without fearing God. You can't fear God without loving God. It creates in the heart of every true believer that divine balance of reverence and hope in God's great mercy. And isn't that what we see in the psalmist, in Psalm 51, verse 1, when David sinned against God, in that penitent psalm, how it so wonderfully begins with the same divine balance. Have mercy upon me, O God. Have mercy. I deserve judgment. He's speaking of judgment. We concentrate on the mercy, but you, you seek mercy when you deserve judgment. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgression. So we see the spirit of Psalm 90 and Psalm 51. A divine balance that defines the Christian. We love God and we fear God. So teach us. So teach us, Moses said in Psalm 90 verse 12. So teach us to number our days. A few words of exhortation concerning this humble petition before we get into the depth of the message first of all when we hear these words for many they might appear to be a simple or easy task think about it why then must we beseech God to teach us do we not already from birth number our days we follow calendars in days of the month, do we not? We celebrate birthdays, holidays, anniversaries. We keep schedules and appointments. Do we not already number our days? It's just not a simple task. Why then should we beseech God to teach us to number our days? Yet Moses would imply that there is a divine manner and method of numbering our days, which is foreign and unknown to man, a divine manner which can only be taught by God. Moses implies and exhorts us to beseech God to teach us. So we do not know how to number our days, even though we do have all these things we remember. We number. Secondly, the great difficulty. Not only do we not know how to properly number our days, God has to teach us. Secondly, there's a great difficulty of our knowing how to number our days. You say, how would that be a great difficulty? Well, so teach us to number our days. Though the psalmist declared in verse 10, that the days of our years are threescore years and ten, and it's by reason of strength that be be fourscore years. He says, even these are soon cut off and we fly away. Those are years. Seventy, eighty years. He says, those years are soon cut off and they fly away. Yet Moses in verse 12 says, don't teach us the number our days, our months or years, teach us the number our days. If years are cut off and fly away, how swift are days? It is our days which we must be taught to number. Our days. If years go by quick... I told my wife yesterday, I said, I had a week's vacation, it's over. We just met yesterday for church. You were just in Missouri yesterday. If years are cut off and fly away, how in the world can we number our days? How swift they must be. If our life, James says, what is your life? He didn't say days. He said, if, you, if our life be but a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanish away, how can we ever number our days? If our life is but a vapor, how do we number our days? For how brief and quick do they pass? Therefore, because of the great impossibility of our knowing how to number our days and the brevity of our present life being too quick and fleeting, it is God, Moses said, it is God who must teach us to number our days. And yet one might ask, how does God teach us to number our days? I believe the answer is found in this same chapter. And it's found in the first 11 verses. Because that's what inspires Moses in verse 12 to tell us, to, to, to exhort us to beseech God to teach us to number our days. The first 11 verses is what inspires him to say, because of these things, teach God, help uh, uh, beseech God to teach you to number your days. So I believe the answer is found in the first 11 verses. First and foremost, I believe how he teaches us to number our days. Uh, He teaches us the brevity and vanity of this present life in light of eternity. Listen to me. This is how God teaches us to number our days. He teaches us to number our days in the light of the brevity and vanity of this present life in comparison to eternity. I'm always joking with our dear brother William when he comes in, calling him a young man. In comparison to eternity, you are. You're a baby. Not even an infant. So God would teach us to number our days by helping us to understand the brevity and vanity of this present life. The true believer cannot, dearly beloved, true believer cannot and must not too much effort, too much time, and too much emphasis on this present yet fleeting life. Look over in verses 6, in verses 6, I'm sorry, in verses 3 to 10. Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return ye children, men, for a thousand years in thy sight, or but as yesterday, when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are as a sleep in the morning. Listen to the words of God. They are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourishes, and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins, in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow. For For it is soon cut off and we fly away. God teaches us to number our days by showing us the brevity and vanity of this present life. Paul exhorts us in Colossians 3, verse 13, to set our affections, affection, not affections, affection, singular. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For we are dead, for ye are dead. Listen to that, for ye are dead. You're dead. You oh, don't Paul, I'm, I'm alive. No, you're dead. To the things in this earth, you're dead to those things. Are we? We're a walking corpse. Do we know that? We're born with one foot in the grave. Ecclesiastes said there's a time to be born and a time to die. There's nowhere in there where it says it's time to live because there's no time to live. We number our days, and they're brief, and they're fleeting, and they're vain. And so God would teach us to number our days by allowing us to understand the brevity and vanity of this life. It's so quick you can't grasp it. It's like a vapor. It goes between your fingers. You can't get a hold of it, and yet sinful man continues to grasp it. Try to stop the hands of the clock. Try to stop the sun from setting or rising again the next day. Try to stop the seconds on the hand of the clock from moving. You cannot. You cannot. And so God, in teaching us to number of our days, would have us understand the brevity and vanity of this present life. Why do we hang then so much on this present world? I'm not saying we shouldn't enjoy the things God gives us. God gives us things. He blesses us. He gives us temporal things. Thank God for that. Yet with, there's wisdom in numbering our days. Look over at Matthew chapter 6. How does God teach us? Matthew chapter 6. Are we learning the lessons? The lessons how God teach us. Uh, the lesson book is found in Psalm chapter 90 verses 1 to 11. Look in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19 well-known passage of Scripture. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust does corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now, notice before we reading further, he's speaking of treasures. There's treasures on earth, and there's treasures in heaven. Yet one are corrupt and temporal. The other is eternal. What are we laying up? But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust nor doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart. Your heart. What the, what what Moses say in Psalms? That we might apply our heart under wisdom. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You see the difference? God teaches us and numbering our days, the brevity and vanity of this life. That's why it's important that we learn to number our days. Look at your life. I was talking to my wife yesterday and I was telling her, I said, it's amazing the events and things that happened in our life in Germany, though they were yesterday, sometimes they seem also like an eternity. They were far away, they're long away. We were talking this morning, Brother Greg, teaching somebody in Sunday school 31 years, 31 years ago thirty one years ago it's quick it so goes by so fast. By our always numbering our days, we don't allow our hearts to be controlled by the temporal things of this life. They don't rule us. You know how many Christians today are troubled because of the temporal things in life? Oh, I've got this to do today, and I've got that to do today, and I've got this obligation, I've got that obligation. And we allow ourselves to be weighed down by the temporal needs of this life rather than numbering our days and saying, yes, these things must be done, but it's only for today. It'll quickly be over. The wisdom we apply unto our hearts by numbering our days is to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Denouncing the treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. There's a difference. You know why a lot of Christians are disappointed in this life? Because they've laid up treasures on earth and somebody's come in and stole it. get frustrated over the temporal things because we're not numbering our days. This life will be quickly over. I know sometimes youth don't think about those things, but some of you young children this morning think about it. You might be 8, 9, 10, 12, 15 now. Uh, yesterday you were in the crib, remember? Now look at you. Gone by pretty fast, isn't it? Oh, I preacher, you do to understand. I've got I've got a lot of years ahead of me. No, you don't. You don't. Tomorrow's not promised to you. Do you know that? We're not capable of looking beyond this present day. We don't have the ability. We don't have the ability to look in the next two hours. I spoke during prayer meeting of a man who lost his life being T boned in intersection driving down the road, not even thinking about it, not even thinking twice about it. Got in his truck, got in his car, drove down the road, was planned on going somewhere. He's got a destination in mind, not even thinking about it. Maybe he's thinking about what he's going to do the rest of the day or what's going to go on. Suddenly a car hits him, T-bones him, sends him off into eternity. You don't have tomorrow. You don't have tomorrow. So I promised you, you have today. So number your days. Number your days. Terrible catastrophe in grief. I think, was it Greek? The earthquake? Morocco, yeah. Where 2,000 people died in a moment. 2,000 people. You know what keeps us close to God? You know what keeps us from wandering astray? Number our days and knowing the brevity and vanity of this present life that nothing in this life is substantial. Nothing in this life has an essence to it. There's nothing to it. Over in Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12. Oh, the lost man looks at that and says, "Oh, don't tell me that. Don't. I don't want to hear that. I want to. I want to. I want to live my life. I want to live it to the fullness. I got a family member in Germany that you can't speak about death to them." Because he's terrified of it. Don't speak of death to me. He'll walk away. He'll turn around and walk away. He'll walk out the door. Don't talk to me. But why? They don't want to number their days. Why? Because they only live for this present life. And even of that, they're afraid. I'm not going to get enough in this present life. I've got to make more money. I've got to make more time. I've got to make more things. I've got I to hoard on myself more things. I've got to get more things in life. That's what makes my life happy. No, it doesn't. There's nothing substantial in that. Nothing at all. Luke chapter 12. A Christian numbers his days, so he can apply his heart to wisdom. Luke chapter 12, verse 16. He spake a parable to him, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, that was his first problem. (laughs) He thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruit? And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many, what? Years. Somebody's not numbering their days. That's a sinful man right there. Laid up for many years. Take that easy, drink, and be merry. I'm ready to retire. I got everything I need. But God said in the end, Thou fool This night. You're talking about years that one I didn't promise you. And I'm telling you, this night. Thy soul shall be required of thee, then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? Do you speak of years? I speak of night. I believe most of us have lived long enough, maybe the children not, but most of the adults here have lived long enough to understand life has great unexpected events happening. You can be enjoying your life at the moment. Everything seems to be carefree and good. In one simple phone call, your life can be radically changed. One simple event everything you planned for everything that you hoped and dreamed for can be shattered if if you're not numbering your days so is he verse 21 that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God Beloved, when God truly teaches us to number our days, the wisdom learned in which we apply into our hearts is that there's no true treasure in the brevity of this present life. There's nothing here with substance. Not even relationships. Do you know that? And I do wish to be very careful with this because there's nothing wrong with having relationships and having loved ones, but even our human relationships are frail and can be quickly severed from our lives. We number our days. The wisdom we apply to our hearts will teach us that so that when that does happen, our world's not shattered. We don't number our days. But by numbering our days, our hearts shall be set not only on Christ, but the things of eternity. So yeah, it's the brevity. God teaches us the lesson is found in Psalm chapter 90. God teaches us to number our days by allowing us to understand the brevity and vanity of this present life second of all and i must hurry the wisdom learned in numbering our days teaches us to be vigilant, watchful and sober this is why so many fall away look over back in psalm chapter 90 let me show you again the lessons that he teaches us are found in psalm 90 let scripture interpret scripture psalm chapter 90 the wisdom learned to number our days teaches us to be vigil, watchful, and sober. Look in verse 7. For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins, in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. Now that's an amazing truth, and one which, which is very terrifying to a sinner but not to the child of God. Listen to me very closely. Moses is telling us that if we number our days, if we listen to how God teaches us to number our days, the wisdom that we apply to our hearts is that we must ever be vigil, watchful, and sober because of our own sinfulness and infirmities. Watch and be careful. Keep thine heart, Proverbs 4 says. Keep thine heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. There, is, there are people today who profess to know the doctrines of grace that despise such teaching of repentance and conviction of sins in a believer's life. And I can't for the life of me understand where they see that's biblical. Now, we know that Christ has paid our sin debt. We know that we'll never be punished penalty for our sins. Christ has paid the price for that. But we still struggle against the sin in our members. We have to mortify the deeds of our body. We still struggle against the presence of sin. This is why the psalmist here in Psalm chapter ninety tells us, if we number our days then, and, and we know the vanity of it, we're also going to understand that we need to be vigilant. Sober-minded and watchful. Keep thine heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Keep it. Keep it. John Flavel said something to this in his book, Keeping the Heart. And it's probably not word for word, but something to this effect. The heart is the hardest thing for God to convert, if it's something hard for God, before conversion, and it's the hardest thing to keep after conversion. keep thine heart with all diligence. Where are we to apply that of wisdom in Psalm 90? Into our hearts. Psalm was said in Psalm eighteen thirteen. keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me, then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Peter says in 1 Peter 5:8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. By number our days, the wisdom that we apply to our hearts is to be vigilant, be watchful, be sober. You see, this is something else that is missing in the lives of those who we spoke of earlier that profess a f- profession of faith only later on to fall away. They're not vigilant, they're not sober. It proves they don't have grace. Again, I'm not talking about works, I'm talking about grace. I'm getting ahead of myself because that's our last point, which is the fear of God. But you know, something that I've learned over 40 years, and I didn't really understand a whole lot of it, even the first 40 years, and I'm barely beginning to understand it now, is I've always wondered why there was in my heart always this sense of godly fear. Sometimes I thought, man, I'm there's a sense of godly fear that's always present in the life of a believer. Always present. It's been put in there by the grace of God. A true Christian, because he has faith in God, and because that faith is of God, the author and finisher of it is Christ, is also accompanied with this godly fear, this reverence for God. You have this essence in you, this sense of godly fear and reverence for God. It's imparted unto you. You don't learn it. It's part of it. Put on the whole armor of God, Paul says in Ephesians, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Be vigilant. Be sober. Romans 8 and Colossians 3 says, Mortify therefore the deeds of your body. How do we learn to do that? By numbering our days. I like what John Bunyan said one time. John Bunyan had uh, such an awareness uh, of sin he says this and I quote got it written in my Bible wrote it down years ago just listen he says and I quote since I repented last time another matter has given me great sorrow which is that if I rigorously scrutinize the best of what I now do I discover sin new sin is mixed with my best For this cause, I cannot but conclude that in spite of how self-conceited and imaginative I am towards myself and my work, even if my past is without blemish, the sins which I commit in one day are enough to put me in hell. If it is not because of such a great Savior (laughs) who can save such a sinner like me. Oh, we number our days, be vigilant and sober. You know, there's a blessing in being sensitive to sin. you know When you do or say something, even in the smallest matter, if it be maybe a, a, a harsh word to a brother or sister or a loved one, whatever it might be, just being sensitive to that is sometimes the greatest blessing that you'll know as a Christian. The sense of doing something wrong and not wanting to do something wrong but to correct that is a great blessing for a child of God. He says, what the psalmist is talking about. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Lay hold on it as though you could lose it. We know we can't, but Paul uses that term, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold. Grab it. Don't let go of it. Eternal life. And even our Lord himself said, you want to follow me? Come on, let's sing Kumbaya and I'll walk down the road. No, he said, you want to follow me? Here's what you have to do. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Love me more than your father, your mother, your wife, your children. You can do all that, and you can follow me. Do you know what the Christian life is not an easy life. Do you know that it is not an easy life. Do you know that? It's not an easy life. Lord Lord said himself, it's straight and narrow. I mean, think about some of the old saints of God. look at moses i, I the Lord was really pondering Moses here for a while. I mean Moses, imagine all the things Moses went through I mean forty years he was in the wilderness, you know and uh, herding sheep and God calls him back to Egypt and then he's got to go through all that and the ten plagues. He listening to all the murmurings of God's people and all the things they did. They made an idol and all this and that. And all the things he went through, all the things Moses went through, he strikes a rock. He strikes a rock. God says, you're not going to the promised land. The children of Israel did more sins than that. Moses had to endure all of that. God let him see the promised land, and we know there's a reason why God did that, and we know the theological answers for that, we know the biblical answers for that, and we, we agreed with that, we understand that, but still, it was a hard life for Moses. I mean, a pastor puts up with maybe 40 or 50 people in the church, and maybe half of them murmur and complain, he had to put up with millions of people, and the murmuring and complaints never stopped. David, man after God's own heart. You know, we like to read about Goliath and we like to read about the lions and the bears, and that's all good and fine and everything else, but look at the life David led. David fell into sin, we know that, but David was chased by Saul, had to run. One time, at one point in his life, he thought he wasn't going to be king anymore. He thought Saul would kill him. He ran from his son Absalom. He had a terrible time with Absalom. David had struggles all the time. Look at Paul, read Corinthians, when he talks about the persecution he suffered as a preacher, the stonings and all that stuff, shipwrecked and all that stuff. He's afflicted, yet persecuted, yet not passed down. Christian life is not an easy life to live in this this world. But God gives us grace. And He imparts upon us when we uh, apply this wisdom to our hearts to be vigilant. The wisdom learned in numbering our days teaches us constant vigilance, watchfulness, and perseverance as we journey through this short and brief life. And Thursday, and quickly only closing. And this is the main point I want to make. And that will be briefly, because we spoke much about it last time. The wisdom learned by numbering our days is the fear of the Lord. Look in verse 11 of Psalm 90. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? even according to thy fear, says so thy wrath. Those are the last words before Moses is moved to exhort us in verse 12. So, because no one knows the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath, because of this, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. You know why people can so easily walk away, if I can use that term, term lightly? loosely from God is because they've never feared God. They've never feared God. Like I said, I believe the fear of the Lord is something that the grace of God imparts unto the believer at salvation. And it grows in phases and stages throughout our lives as Christians. I believe it grows mature and ripens as we grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As young Christian, I did and said things that now I look back and say, that was foolish. <laughs> that was crazy. Yet you now sometimes, in my older age, now sometimes, even happened yesterday, there's a sense of reverence and fear that comes over my heart and my mind. And I'm reminded that God is truly God. He's sovereign he's God he's the creator of heaven and earth the heavens shall flee away from his presence John the beloved fell as a dead man before the glorified Christ he's God and God takes delight pleasure in those that fear him when we number our days the wisdom we apply to our hearts is that we fear God let me show you something and in, in just really be, briefly before I close. Proverbs chapter two. I want you to see this. Proverbs chapter two. Look in verse one. Listen to the words of the wise men: "My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom, and apply thine heart." To understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, knowledge, understanding, wisdom, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, what are you going to come up with? Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. All of that searching... And crying after, what's it lead to? (laughs) You're going to understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of His mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. It all begins with the fear of the Lord. What do we learn by numbering our days? We learn the brevity of our life and vanity of it. Keeps our hearts and affections on things above. What else do we learn of it? We learn that it keeps us vigilant, watchful, sober. And we learn the most important of all. We learn anew fear God. Now, with that said, look at how Moses closes the psalm, Psalm 90. And I'll close with this as well. Listen to how he closes it. Verse 13. Return, O Lord, how long? (laughs) It's mercy. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. O satisfy us early with thy mercy. Now listen to this. That we may rejoice and be glad all our days. He just said, number them. Now he's talking about when we number them, we can be glad all our days. Because we're numbering them, we're playing wisdom to our hearts. Make us glad according to the days wherein Thou hast afflicted us. That is a paradox, is it not? What do you mean glad? I'm afflicted. It's good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn Thy statutes. Psalm 119. Make us glad according to Thy days, to the days wherein Thou hast afflicted us, and the years when we have seen evil. Let Thy work appear unto Thy servants and thy glory unto their children. Look at that. You see what Moses learned out of all of this? From numbering his days? This is what we can learn. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. And establish thou the work of your hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands. Establish thou it. Look at the confidence. Security. The blessings. Which Moses speaks of which come to those who have been taught by God to number their days. May God grant us much grace and mercy in numbering our days so that we might apply our hearts unto wisdom. Time doesn't avail me, but this wisdom is not applied to our minds, but our hearts, the seat of our affections hearts amen what a merciful loving holy and righteous god we serve amazing let us pray heavenly father we do thank you lord for psalm 90 lord there are so many truths in this psalm that lord we did not have time to examine i pray that father lord you'd help us in our own private time to spend time in the psalm this day that, Lord, we'd meditate upon it. And, Father, we'd hear what the Spirit saith in our church. Teach us, teach us always, always to be numbering our days so that we might apply our hearts into wisdom. And, yet the, and let the beauty of God rest upon us. Make us glad in our days, dear God. Help us to look forward to that day when we shall see Thee face to face. Help us, Lord God, we pray, to apply these things be honored and glorified in all that we say and do. For we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.